0: today's sponsor is stamps.com avoid trips to the post office use stamps.com to buy and print official u.s postage right from your computer go to stamps.com today and sign up for a special offer click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in decode today is also sponsored by casper get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com recode and use the promo recode terms and conditions apply
1: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the world's hoverboard champion, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. Today in the red chair, we have Trey Vassallo and Michelle Madansky. Trey was a general partner at Kleiner Perkins from 2002 to 2014, and today works as an independent investor and entrepreneurial advisor. Michelle spent four years at Yahoo starting in 2003, and since 2007 has run her own advertising and marketing consulting firm. They're also co-authors of a big new report about sexual harassment and bias in tech called The Elephant in the Valley. Welcome, Trey and Michelle. Thank you, Kara. Thank, Thank you for you. here. It's a very, very big elephant, don't you think? <laughs>
2: <I> think <laughs> that it's it much is.
0: Fun. So let's talk about how you got to do this. There's a lot of background here, and this year has really been the year of talking about these issues, not just sexual harassment, but gender bias and a, a wider issue of, that Silicon Valley has been discussing and perhaps failing very badly at. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about your background. You were at Kleiner Perkins, and you, you were starring in the trial, one of the people who was uh, testifying in the Ellen Powell trial. Let's talk about the background of how you got to this.
2: Uh, sure. Well, I had uh, the experience of being subpoenaed to testify in this trial mm-hmm. and very publicly had to talk about a sexual harassment experience. And the surprising thing for me was that in talking about it, I had an overwhelming number of women come back to me after that experience and say, you know, thank you for talking about it. By the way, here's what I lived through. Right. right. And what was shocking to me, first of all, you know, I wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. And what really got me was the fact that just anecdotally, it seemed like more than half of all the women I talked to had some Horrific set of experiences right. that were almost equal to sort of what I had we to We experienced through.
0: when people were covering it, I would have people just pop off like, oh, I know that. I can, and not just, not just sexual harassment, but gender bias and gen- different microaggressions. Exactly.
2: So what surprised me was, first of all, I didn't know that mm-hmm. it was as prevalent as it appeared to me afterwards, once we sort of started a public discourse mm-hmm. on it. And then the other thing was that uh, while each woman I talked to tended to have some set of stories that they wanted to share. The guys didn't. They, there was really a lack of... So no guys of, were doing this harassment. Oh, well, I, I would say, you know, the vast majority... They never had, had it happen to them. Well, and they just weren't aware of it. And so mm-hmm. while I wasn't aware of it, I certainly had my own set of experiences, but a lot of the guys also weren't right, aware of right. it. And so this so just... a silent situation here. Right. This is a hard thing to talk about and doesn't get talked about publicly. So why,
0: was it, why is it such a hard thing to talk about? Why was the POW trial such an important moment? I think it really was because it's difficult trials it was and how complex personnel it is, it still brought up issues that are that are continue to be an issue in Silicon Valley.
2: Yeah, well, I'd say there's, there's a number of reasons why these topics don't get talked about. First of all, and, and we saw this play out in the data from our survey, is that you know, there's fear of retribution. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the number was, uh, uh, I'll have to look it up in a second, but like 29% of women uh, you know, choose not to actually bring this up because they fear for their job.
0: So let's talk about why you decided to do this. Michelle, why, 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 why put data behind it? Because, of course, anecdotal is interesting, but it really doesn't back people's stories up.
3: So uh, Trey got in touch with me through other women in, in the valley, and I think all of us were talking about this. So, you know, she got my contact information, and I do consumer insights for a living. Mm-hmm. So my last job at Yahoo was VP of Global Market Research. And what would that entail? What would you be looking up? Like how many people want a photo app, or things like that? Yeah. <laughs> supporting ad sales, supporting mm-hmm. uh, corporate development, supporting mm-hmm. you know the general direction of Yahoo. Mm-hmm. So and now i work with all kinds of media companies i've been in the in silicon valley for 12 years so just you know Putting some numbers against this and seeing how prevalent this was was important. And since, you know, I can design surveys, I yeah. said, hey, let's talk about this. Let's see what, what it is we want to learn, and then let's figure out who, should we, who we should send the survey to.
0: So why, are no, why is debt important? I, I, I don't mean debt. I know why it is, but can you explain to the listeners why that is?
3: Um, I, I think everyone has their anecdotes. Everyone can read about certain, you know, the Ellen Powell trial was certainly the most um, Anecdoteful know, thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that a lot of women, you know, it's it's lonely at the top, and you don't hear about them, and you don't necessarily share the stories. So, um, being able to see what is, you know, how prevalent is this really? And um, really making this into the consciousness of everybody in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. was important. Because right. uh, you know, when well, you have for the women, they can
0: believe it or not. They can believe it or not. Or you're lying, or they can or...
3: say it was her fault or they could say whatever. Mm-hmm. But to say, hey, 60% of, you know, of senior women in Silicon Valley have felt that they have been sexually harassed in their career is you know, pretty meaningful. So, Katri, first, before we move on to the actual statistics we're going to talk about uh, after the
0: break, talk about sort of the mood before and after the POW trial. Now, you were considered a star witness there, um, supporting some of what Ellen said, some of it not. Had anything like this
2: happened or it just been quietly pushed under the rug? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I personally wasn't aware of much conversation going on about this issue, Mm -hmm. and so I do think the trial did catalyze a lot of this conversation. And since then, there have been a number of people who have, you know, in their own way, really taken some interesting initiatives, whether it's the board list and what's Mm -hmm. going on there, which is really just helping elevate women into great opportunities to, Mm -hmm. you know, other people uh, focusing on, uh, you know, how to publish numbers and companies and things like that. So I do feel like we're at least hearing a lot more about these initiatives.
0: And – but do you think it was a good thing, this trial? A lot of people feel it might be wasn't because – You know, I think it was. I think whenever you get illumination, even if it's a complicated person, a complicated subject, it sort of starts people thinking on some level. We had one group of VCs saying it would be bad because men wouldn't hire women after the thing, as if – it was kind of inane as far as I was concerned. But, you know, do you think it had a good impact or a bad impact?
2: Well, I will say I think we're here because we believe this is a really important topic that needs a lot more data and a mm-hmm. lot more discussion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if only for catalyzing more discussion, that, that is that is a good thing. But we have a lot more to do. And so part of what we wanted to do with this data is really create a – an environment where there isn't finger-pointing. and well, There uh, should be a little finger-pointing. Uh, well, there can be a little finger-pointing. I'm, I'm a big proponent of finger-pointing. But, but it's also just to get some underlying data sure. without that finger-pointing to right. say, hey, you know, it's not the exception. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's the rule. And mm-hmm. it's happening all over the place. And it's happening to not just... You know, women who you know, you could sort of point to and say there, there's some issues that they caused it. The, mm-hmm. the women in this survey are incredibly experienced women. They're CEOs, they're founders, they're VPs of organizations. And so I think it's really enlightening when we can point to some of the leaders in Silicon Valley and say, look, all of this stuff has happened to them too. They just never had a a venue to be able to talk about it in a productive way.
0: So this is an an industry that doesn't think of itself this way. It doesn't feel like it's the cable industry, the car industry, the dude industry, whatever it is. It's an industry that's supposed to be more tolerant. Uh, Michelle, talk a little about that idea of how Silicon Valley sees itself and how it really is.
3: Well, I think one of the articles that came up around that time was Sue Decker.
0: Yes, we had that. It was on Recode. It was yeah. on
3: Recode. And that was a great article about, was it death by a thousand cuts? Yes, exactly.
0: Here's someone who is a high-ranking woman who's not not the most outgoing on these topics and never really talked about it and just had to speak up because she's like, this it, is, this. whatever you think of this person in this trial, this is my experience too.
3: Yeah, and I worked down the hall from her for four years. I would never have any idea. Right. You know? So I think that there's it's it's a lot more than sexual harassment and mm-hmm. you know i i personally have not experienced any of that in silicon valley but i think there's so much of this conscious and unconscious bias that does happen mm-hmm. and that's the broader story to be told
0: why doesn't silicon valley want to think of itself like this is it's, a to- it's supposed to be tolerant it's supposed to be a meritocracy i think it's a meritocracy. i call it that because like it's white guys looking at white guys kind of thing and i know i get trouble for saying that but it doesn't strike me as a meritocracy when 10 white men are on the same board. I don't know how that's mathematically possible. I mean, you're a numbers person. So it seems like, you know, there's, those are the only qualified people. That
3: is one of my pet peeves, is I always look at the composition of the boards whenever mm-hmm. I look at a website. And, you know, there, there are lots of very progressive men in Silicon Valley. Yes, So I think there are a lot of men who just are shocked. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember even like when we I can't was, believe
0: the gambling is going on in this place, that kind of thing. We're yeah. Kind of or, shocked. you
3: know, I remember being at Yahoo and they're like, you know, someone was doing something inappropriate. And I, like a senior guy said to me, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And uh, coming from advertising, All that stuff happened all the time. I was like, "Wow, you know, I mean, there's there is some naivete, Mm -hmm. I think, among men who this is their only career or they're only, you know, not necessarily seeing the bigger picture or don't know the aren't seeing things from the woman's perspective."
0: Right, absolutely, which is difficult. So, before we go to break, talk about unconscious and unconscious bias very quickly, and then we'll get into the numbers when we get back. What is that, Michelle? And how do you look at it? And Trey, I'd like you to say how you think of it because everyone defines it differently.
3: You know, a conscious bias is something where you're doing something intentionally. So, mm-hmm. you know, a sexual harassment is something where you're intentionally making uh You know it's bad. You know it's bad. You know you're not supposed to do it. There is saying things that are, you know, publicly demeaning, which is definitely conscious. But there are other things like not making eye contact with a woman, like only talking to my husband at a cocktail party when he's a stay-at-home dad, which mm-hmm. is unconscious. There's lots of things that, that people do that they're not aware of, which is you know, not having women in Silicon Valley be acknowledged in the same way that men are.
2: Okay. Well, for the sake of the survey, we actually broke it down into, I'd say, four key areas that I think generally fall under maybe conscious and unconscious bias. And and we grouped those into, the first one was sort of feedback and promotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second one was inclusion Third one was, I guess, inclusion in activities, inclusion in activities, your
0: value as an employee.
2: Yep. Yep. The third one, I guess we called unconscious bias. Those were Mm -hmm. those were the, the eye contact notions, things like that. Um, and then the fourth one, we, we created a category called motherhood uh, ah, because yes. there's a lot of things around parent and motherhood and mm-hmm. life choices and things like that that ultimately affect.
0: And people worried about how it affects their career. Exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah. So that, I would say those are the grouping of things outside of sexual harassment that we kind of loosely categorized under this kind of conscious and, and unconscious impact bias. your career, though. Mm-hmm. It's
0: unclear how, what it does. And it's clear a choice has to be made kind of thing.
2: No,
3: or people are making comments, you know, asking whether you're planning on having children mm-hmm. during an interview. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm consciously being sexist. But mm-hmm. by asking that question, mm-hmm. you, that's an unconscious like, oh, you know, is this person saying, I, if I do have children, I'm not going to be promoted? Right. It's not clear. It's not right. clear. Yeah. Right,
0: right. I, I, you know, I'm of the school that none of it's unconscious. I know there's all these studies <laughs> showing people don't mean it, but I think this is a group of smart people who know precisely
3: what they're doing. So, I mean, it's overt versus, you know, I mean, you can say different ways. I guess,
0: you know, I don't know. I think if they can code all of Google, they can figure this out. That's my feeling. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to go to break. I'm going (laughs) to talk from our sponsor very quickly, and then we'll be back with uh, Trey Vasello and Michelle Madansky about the elephant in the valley and their surveys about sexual harassment, gender bias, and other issues. Getting your mailing and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office takes up valuable time. Leasing a postage meter is expensive with multi-year commitments and hidden fees. Luckily, I know a better way at Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk using your own computer and printer. You even get special postage discounts you can't find at the post office. Plus, Stamps.com is more powerful than a postage meter at just a fraction of the cost. You can save at least 50% compared to a postage meter, and you'll avoid those time-consuming trips to the post office and those long, long lines. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use my promo code DECODE for this special offer. It's a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including a postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DECODE. That's Stamps.com. Enter DECODE. We're back with Michelle Medansky and Trey Vasello who are talking about the elephant in the valley, which is, Trey, the elephant is?
2: <laughs> the elephant is that women face a lot of conscious and unconscious bias in the workplace. Right. And we wanted to get the data on the experiences that women face out in the public for right, conversation. Right.
0: Rather than just anecdotal exactly. stories, which yep.
2: everybody
3: has. Um, Michelle,
0: why don't we start with the, the data, what it's okay. showing?
3: Why don't you start with the sexual harassment data, and then we can go into some of the other stuff.
2: Uh, Sure. Well, I guess first off, we um, wanted to make it really clear that the survey was not just about harassment, but Mm -hmm. all sorts of issues. Uh, But to get it out of the way, since this was part of the reason for pulling the survey together, we'll start with uh, some of the sexual harassment numbers. And the way we asked the question was – how many women had experienced unwanted sexual advances in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And it came back that 60% had that experience. Wow. Which... That's a big number. Sort of um, kind of fit the anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. um, But... You know, it's pretty shocking. And that
0: can range in just, like, unwanted comments, too, and, and really it, serious. It
2: can, although we ask for anecdotes mm-hmm. also just to take the temperature of, you know, what, yeah. what are people actually saying. And, you know, the, some of these anecdotes included things like the first time I traveled with a new CEO, he made an advance. Mm-hmm. I turned him down. After that, I was never asked to travel with him again. Mm-hmm. This impacted my ability to do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were many, many anecdotes like that. So, th- so this isn't asking your coworker on a date. You right know, these are or aren't,
0: don't you look pretty today yeah
2: exactly these are power play situations mm-hmm. where you're turning someone down um, for, in a sexual way and there's some sort of uh, meaningful impact on mm-hmm. your ability to do your job right so go ahead next and then we asked us further on that you know is this from a colleague is this a client and this is this a superior so mm-hmm. we have a lot of data on this I'd say the surprising one for me was that 65 percent of these women said that it was from superior yeah oh. so you know it isn't just colleagues you know not not behaving well. These are you know, bosses, people in superior situations, doing this um, mm-hmm. to women who they're supposed to be, uh, you know, helping, uh, mentor. Right. So the
0: number is rather large, sixty percent. That means it's probably even higher in some ways. You know <laughs> what I mean? These are people wanting to report it. How did you get people to talk about these things? Did they just feel like they're just waiting to talk about it.
2: Well, and this was why part of the reason why we wanted to do a survey because mm-hmm. it is hard to talk about it. And this survey is anonymous. Mm-hmm. And we went through and Michelle. Can talk more about this, but you know, we went through a lot of steps to make sure people felt comfortable in their anonymity mm-hmm. in this survey. And then we also tried to back up the data with specific anecdotes because it's one thing to hear 60%, right. it's another thing to hear, oh, it's 60%, and you know, a client, you lost a client because mm-hmm. you wouldn't sit on their lap, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's all these very right. specific stories that you know make it much more meaningful. I see. And Michelle?
3: Yeah, I should also say that we had 222 respondents Mm -hmm. to the survey. These are all women. We sourced a list of women who've been working in the Valley for 10 years plus. Um, Three-quarters of them are VP or above. Three-quarters of them have children. And three quarters were 40 or over. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about very senior level women, and they were, you know, again, happy to tell their story.
0: Right. And you found them through just a list that
3: you compiled? Our own network. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, a whole list of women who kind of um, contributed to the survey, mm-hmm. and all of us kind of primed our personal networks and not kind of friends, friends. of
0: Why did you want to make it anonymous? Because people wouldn't tell their stories or just so sometimes it's more powerful when actual names are next to like the Sue Decker piece was very strong because Sue Decker was saying it.
3: Yeah. So we actually, what we did is we didn't want people to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to take the anonym, anonymity out of it, but we also offered a way for them to stay in touch with this project by giving us their email addresses. So we actually do have the email addresses of a lot of the participants but their data is not associated with any individual response. Okay, so more statistics, please.
2: Okay. So let me just okay. add a, a few more on there. Okay. So we also asked women how they tried to resolve these issues mm-hmm. of sexual harassment. Because um, it's always up to the woman to resolve it. <laughs> well, and it's important to say something. Right. And actually what we learned was a, a significant percentage of folks didn't do anything for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. That's not a surprise. Because they wanted to forget. 33% because they wanted to forget. Uh, 33% did not report because they didn't think that reporting would make a difference, mm-hmm. um, 20% were too embarrassed, and obviously we let people check number at sure. multiple boxes, which is why these don't add to 100, 39% did nothing because they thought it would negatively impact their career. Mm-hmm. Interestingly 13% of those who did report were satisfied with the course of action that was taken. Interesting. So, so it's better to report. Well, but when they do report, only 13% were actually satisfied Right. With, oh, of all those. Oh, of, when they do report. Of when they do so report. So they didn't get a resolution. And, and so that just uh you know further, you know emphasizes the fact that when you do report,
0: it doesn't matter. It, it do, you don't really no, get a so satisfying many outcome. say that, right? When you don't all kinds of issues in social justice. It Mm -hmm. happens all the time. So that it didn't, even though Silicon Valley has put in lots and lots of HR things around this, and it doesn't work.
2: It's still very hard. Right.
3: Okay. Shell? Um, So moving away from the sexual harassment, (laughs) um, half of the women said that, agreed that they did not get a seat at the table. So they have been passed up for promotions or new opportunities specifically because of their gender. Mm-hmm. So that's half, which mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of a lot. So those are the right. things which you, you can't... Or they be- perceive that it's because of their gender. They perceive it's because of their gender. Okay. Two and three has said that they have received inappropriate comments about their appearance. Mm-hmm. And um, we heard, you know, lots of, you know, women saying, I'm not going to wear anything that's too tight or too short. Right. I've gotten comments about wearing high heels Mm-hmm. Like really, um, and then eighty four percent have been told they are too aggressive. Right, that's during, a common one. Yes, but, all, but then right? half have been told they're all, they're too quiet. Ah. so one of the one of the um, anecdotes that we got was that a company X we had a joke that there was only two reviews for women: you are either too reticent, or you are too bossy. There's no middle ground. Right. That you couldn't just be, yeah, that's always a word bought. I mean Cheryl Sandberg, you know went on about that mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. I think she's
0: 100 percent correct, is that, that that's, it's meant to stop you. It's a word that's meant to get you to be quiet, and then when you're too quiet, you're not aggressive enough, which is really kind of the, the swirl that women yeah. unfortunately get caught into.
2: And I just want to emphasize one stat that Michelle had said on the being passed up for promotion stat. There's a there's another corollary one, which was that 60 percent believe that they've not had the same opportunities as men right. in their profession. This
0: is inclusion, like being included.
2: Yeah, or just yeah, exactly. It's inclusion. It's given the opportunity to take on that big project. Mm-hmm. Um, you and, talked
0: about that in the trial too, right? That there was uh, that there were issues around that of being uh, invited to things.
2: You know, and I do think that's a really big one. And we're seeing that you know clearly, well, more than half of Women have had that experience.
0: And that they don't get invited. They don't get invited to the cocktail parties or the going out or the golfing uh, or. Well,
2: and we actually have specific numbers okay, on that. Us. So 66% have felt excluded from key networking opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that we asked that specific question. And did they give
0: you anecdotes about that?
2: Uh, we have a lot of ski, anecdotes. On ski, it, yeah. ski, <laughs> ski houses. Like, ski you know, houses. I, was, was, the I was the only woman. Yeah.
3: yeah, I was the only woman. So I was excluded from the ski house. Um, there's. You know, after parties, going to strip clubs. I had no idea,
0: Silicon Valley skied so much, but go ahead, strip <laughs> clubs. Okay,
3: all right. Um, you know, golfing, et cetera. Right,
0: so. right. The things that you can't do that creates these bonds. <laughs> right.
3: right. Sure, you're not. You ski and go to strip clubs.
0: Excellent. Um, but, uh, but it's what creates bonds between people at exactly. these social. Yeah, events. it's
3: just the, all the real bonding happens. At the after party, and right. we're not invited, or so, uh, no, nor do we want to why go. Why do you, in why some do you cases. think that is,
0: Trey? You had that experience at Client Progress. Why do you think that is, and, and other places? Why is that the case?
2: Oh boy, uh, yeah. Um, I think there are lots of reasons, but you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, there's just a folks who feel comfortable with other folks wanting to let down their guard and hang out. Right. It's harder to do when yeah. you've got when you're including people with. You know, lots of big variation and differences, in, right. in who they are, and so I mean, I think that's one of the reasons. Socially, there's a long list of things. Mm-hmm. I think for today, we are really here, right, to talk—not about- to talk about all the reasons why, but mm-hmm. to really just bring the data to the forefront and sure. say, this, "This is what people are experiencing." And mm-hmm. then step two is, "What do we do? What can we do about right. it?" Oh, we're going to talk about that soon, but more
3: data. We have the motherhood stats. Motherhood stats. Let's get to that,
0: and then we'll go to break.
3: Half of women moms took a shorter maternity leave because they thought it would negatively impact their career. Right, And this the whole thing, you know, what are the – should I just take six weeks off? Right.
2: Uh, And I loved – there were a couple of great anecdotes for this one. One was while I was on maternity leave, a colleague tried to poach – my team. Wow. Um, and this woman goes on to say that she then discussed this with her friends, and it turns out it was an incredibly common right. experience that they had all had. Right. She's super tired. Let's go grab her people. Right? <laughs> She's not here. Let's right. go yeah. grab her yeah. people. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> And um, one woman said after telling her boss that she was pregnant with her second child, he said, already? Oh, and, wow. you know, he already has three kids. Uh-huh. So yeah. there's just, you know, lots of lots – So inconvenient. Of, lots of stories around me. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Let's see. A couple of other stats. So 75% had been asked about their marital status, family, life, or children during interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again – I'm not clear. Can
0: you bring that up? Because Cheryl Sandberger said different things. I've heard her say –
2: I've always been told you're not allowed to ask those yeah, questions. Yeah,
0: I think that's not entirely true, but, but, but it's still, it creates a, it's typically only women that get asked that.
2: Yeah, and again, we asked for anecdotes because we right. wanted to understand, okay, what does this mean to you? Mm-hmm. And, and we were seeing things like, you know, how do we know you're not going to run off and have a baby, unquote. Right. Yes, that's <laughs> common, right? And it's a good thing you don't have children yet. So, you know, there are, there's lots of conversation like that that right. fall into that That women category. don't get
0: even though men have children too. Exactly. Now, now does that change? Think about, you know, Mercer Mayer famously said she's only going away two weeks after twins, which is astonishing. And at the same time, Mark Zuckerberg's taking off, I don't know, eight weeks or some enormous amount of time for his kids. Does that change the perceptions when people are doing things that are sort of out of the norm? Uh, yeah,
3: if, if I was at Yahoo and I saw that, I, I would feel... You know, uncomfortable taking more than the six weeks, which is standard. Right, so one week for one baby, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, guess. Yeah. I, guess. I don't know. Role level support,
2: but yeah. 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 I mean,
3: I think that women do make those decisions, and, um, you know, I think that leadership helps them feel comfortable with whatever they decide.
2: Role modeling is incredibly important, and mm-hmm. that tone gets set at the top. Right. And so if right. your CEO is taking two weeks, then that becomes sort of the right, standard, right?
0: Or longer, in Mark's case. Of course, he got like enormous kudos when so, you know what I <laughs> mean. Exactly, anything? right. And what what woman what? would get enormous yeah, kudos, and kudos for, eight for, weeks. Take, for right. taking a lot of time off? Yeah. So, all right. After the break, we're going to talk more about solutions, if there are any, and where you're going to go with this data and what you're going to do with it. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. A Casper mattress is one of a kind. It's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has the right sink and just the right bounce. Two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, come together for better nights and brighter days. And then there's the risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. These mattresses are made in America. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash R-E-C-O-D-E and use the promo code RECODE. Terms and conditions apply. We're here with Trey Vasello and Michelle Madansky talking about the Elephant in the Valley, which is a survey about gender bias about sexual harassment and other issues facing women in tech. You have more statistics. We were just talking about a range of disturbing and depressing statistics. Why don't you add some more in?
2: <laughs> sure. Well, I definitely wanted to make sure we highlighted a few that I've experienced over my okay. career. Um, and I would characterize these as some of the unconscious biasy problems. Um, there was one question we asked around how many have been asked to do lower-level tasks that male colleagues are not asked to do, for example, note-taking, right. uh, ordering food, things like that. of of women have had that experience. Um, We also asked the eye contact question. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and again, this is one I've experienced quite a bit where you're in a meeting, you have a male colleague with you, and the person you're meeting with is always looking at your male colleague and will not look you in the eye. 84% of women um, have had that experience, and 45% experience this monthly.
0: Monthly, all the time. It's really interesting. I was just thinking about that. It happens to me a lot. It doesn't tend to happen to me recently. But at our Code and All Things D conferences, Walt and I always plotted and I always sat in the middle so that the typically male CEO could not avoid me because they'd always try to address him. Even if I covered it more, even if I drove them crazy, it was really interesting. And so they literally – I was in the way, so they couldn't avoid me. It was a really good – it worked. It worked very well. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I've also resorted to – I will pull someone aside after a meeting mm-hmm. and actually tell them, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing this. You probably don't realize you're doing this, right. but you need to know because – it's uncomfortable.
0: It is. It is. It's less uncomfortable than mansplaining, but that's a whole other
3: topic.
2: <laughs> okay. And then a corollary to that one was that 88% of women have experienced clients or colleagues basically mm-hmm. addressing questions to a male peer yeah. when they're the one. Who, How, what's the number there? I'm sorry. 88%. It's, again, 100. Again, it astonishingly 100. high, yeah. right, right? Right. But these are questions that should have been addressed to them. Mm-hmm. They're the right person to answer. And those... Questions were directed at a male colleague.
0: Right, right. Why is that, Michelle? What, is that a large number in statistics?
3: It's a huge number in statistics, and I cannot fathom why that is. I don't know. I, I can't explain that all by just them being engineers. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, so I, they have know, a
0: bad EQ or they have some sort of inability to look at people.
3: I, I think you know, that's the case. Or they are just they really might not be aware of it. I mean, it would be interesting to see if you're in the same meetings with those people, Trey, what, and what they say. But, you know, I think that part of the reason we did this survey was, you know, A, just to quantify and see whether these were individuals, anecdotes – or was this really a systemic problem? Well, I think
0: the last two are common. Yeah, super common. And mm-hmm. men always say they didn't notice, which I think is kind of fascinating when you mention it over and over again. Yeah, Let's talk a little about solutions. I mean, there may not be any solution here, but, you know, there's all these also statistics that show that diversity is important, not just uh, for women, but all kinds of people together in one place are better than the same kind if you have the same sort of monochromatic uh, group of people, in this case, white men, essentially. And you have these statistics from every single company, Facebook, Google, all the big ones, Apple, Amazon, where the numbers are just disheartening. 70% white men in positions of authority. That's an enormous number. Um, A couple companies like Slack, who spent a lot of time making sure this doesn't happen, they're getting more to the 50% rule of, of lots of different groups of people. Um, here at Recode, we had 60, 40 women. Now we don't. And I'm very aware of it and want to change that, change the numbers. But I spend a lot of time thinking about it. What are the solutions to get people to think about it and think that it's important and valuable?
3: I think that getting the story out there, which is what we're doing today, and mm-hmm. you know, we'll, all these statistics are available on com. You got that. Okay. Yes. That was so, not taken. <laughs> so um, – uh, you know, we think that just getting the story out there and letting people know how prevalent some of these behaviors are will just spur the conversations. Right. So, you know, the, and maybe 2016 is going to be the year of the conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I loved John Ryan's piece on Recode. Mm-hmm. He wrote, you know, beautifully about this. I mean, I, th- I think there's a there's a lot of conversations happening in 2015, and maybe 2016 is the year that organizations are really going to pay attention and try to put. Some processes in place. Right.
0: I think one of the issues is people have to keep at it. Like, we, I'm committed to this at Rico to keep writing about the issue and not just with gender bias, with all kinds of diversity issues and bringing it up at our events and things like that. But I think, you know, in this sort of twitchy culture we have, people walk away from topic. Oh, that was hot. Alan Powell was hot. Now we're talking about this. Now we're talking about Trump. Now we're talking about NSA, whatever. It's a super moves-on-quickly culture, but this is a key issue to the continued success of Silicon Valley, I think, because, you know, when you go to places like China and other places, there's much more of a diverse, it's a shockingly more diverse in terms of gender, at least, when you visit some companies. And uh, success level, I think, has got to be higher if you have that mix. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it, it's a solution. What would you imagine to be a solution to happen here? What do companies need to do? Just be aware of it and try to
3: change it or what? I mean, if if I were the CEO of one of these companies, I would do um, specific research among your um, female executives and ask those specific questions, you know, yep. and, and try to really have a dialogue around that, because you know companies do these HR surveys, but right. they're not getting at these specific questions, right, and a spec- a specifically at the senior level, right, right. And I think there is an awareness that you know women are not getting elevated and more and more women, especially in engineering and venture capital, you know, mm-hmm. there's no places for them, but they, you know, they're falling out of it. So that there is a desire to increase diversity, but, you need to address this problem before you can really. Where do you think the, the
0: bottleneck is? Is it VCs? I mean, a lot of you were in the you were in the venture industry for a long time, Trey. It's you know, it is what it is. It's it doesn't change. It seems like.
2: Yeah, well, I, I don't think you can point the bottleneck at any one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think part of the issue, at least, you know, we've had this conversation among circles, is that you know, it's it's such a boom time right now, mm-hmm. and that in times of crazy success, you know, it it feels a bit wild west, and mm-hmm. so I, I think. Things like gender diversity just are further down on the list from right. becoming the next unicorn company, right. and and I, so I do think the right thing is prioritization, and we just need to keep making it a priority. We need to keep bringing it up. We need to bring up data so people have um, have data and not just not just one off anecdotes. Right, exactly. And you know we're starting to see companies start to publish data and hold themselves accountable. Accountable to it. I yep. think Twitter
0: was one. I think Intel is doing well. Google, a lot, um, yep. and uh, Mark Benioff at Salesforce. At the same time, you know, I also do think there are places boards for example, and uh, I do think VCs and the funding. It does matter. It does matter and it shouldn't be incumbent upon women to have to change this but and, and men should be part of the solution here. Right. And and again, getting
2: back to the elephant in the valley to begin with, it really is about I think women are aware, acutely aware of this problem. And this is really about bringing the rest of the, the men, you know, to understand that this is a pervasive issue. And And an issue that
0: impacts them negatively. That impacts them, exactly. One of the things that I find fascinating, I was just at Dropbox talking to their gay group, but it moved into issues of race and gender and age too, which is another thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the Peter Pan culture here, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But one of the things that I thought, I'm always sort of irritated by is this idea of, with boards, when I argue with CEOs about their ridiculously overweighted dude boards, they're like, well, you know, we don't want to lower our standards. And I was like, why is that never mentioned with men? And by the way, you have at least six idiots on your board who happen to be white men. And, it, you know, you never talk about lowering standards of anyone else but around women and non-white men. And it's really, or non-white people at all. And it's a really interesting thing that's never brought up with men. And again, having covered Silicon Valley companies, I literally can tell you most of the boards are like literally the stupidest people I know. You know what I mean? They just aren't (laughs) qualified and yet they get a pass. And it's really interesting when it becomes women like we we want the very best. And that to me is one of the things that drives me nuts.
2: Well, and part of the problem is those boards are generated by through the networks of who you know. It's not like they've actually done a deep Researched, uh, you know, recruiting process where they've actually right. gone out and found qualified candidates. Right,
0: right, exactly, and it, which is interesting. But again, this lowering of standards just drives me crazy. It just drives, it's like, why would you? Yeah, why would
2: you associate that with women? Right, uh, right. And why
0: would you associate it with non-white people? Right, and when in fact, again, boards are full, packed full of you know incompetent people, which is really interesting. All right, let's finish up. What do you want to finish up on? This is so depressing. I'm going to cry soon. Well,
2: so. first of all, I would love to thank a handful of folks because okay, this really Please started do. with um, some conversations over. Coffee with a number of folks that include, you know, Ellen Levy, Hillary Michael, um, let's see, Monica Leese, Julie K. Oberweiss, and a big thanks to Bennett Porter and the Survey Monkey folks for really helping us put this together and get it out really quickly. Um, and a huge thanks to Michelle here who just did a ton of work to make this survey work well.
0: So, where's it going to be? Where can people start to read about this stuff?
3: At our website. <laughs> Elef- the elephant in the room in the valley. Elephantinthevalley.com And right. we. Um, Is it the elephant or elephant? elephant. No, elephant. No elephant yeah. And we will have a link to the survey so if other people want to take it, but there's mm-hmm. also an input form so that we want to collect additional stories. So we want to. And there where does be- it go from there? Where does that You know, you'll talk to us in six months, and we'll we'll
0: see. But it's something you want to do ongoing research, correct?
2: Like you said, this is an important topic that's going to keep evolving and changing, and we'd like to keep bringing more data to it. And
0: will you bring more data to other issues, ageism, non-white, racial, and other things? So
2: we asked, you know, again, we
3: had lots of open-ended questions, and Mm -hmm. we asked, are there other things that you felt you're getting biased against, Mm -hmm. and? We had um, race, we had ageism in both directions, mm-hmm. you know, over 50, or, you know, I was one of the youngest VPs at mm-hmm. a publicly traded company. We also had, you know, snobbyism about schools. Like, mm-hmm. I went to University of Michigan. Yeah, I don't like think we we'll ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll like, ever. really?
0: Sanford, 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 right? Yeah, no, yeah. I
3: hear, you know, like I heard someone hard. who started a company said, I've been asked more times where I went to college in, yeah. like, the past month than huh. I have in the past 20 years.
0: That's interesting. You know what I always do? Like, I, I try to plague Harvard people because they – I don't know if you notice this, but they mention within 25 minutes they went to Harvard. <laughs> and so whenever someone says to me, I went to Harvard, I'm like, where is that? And they're like, Boston. I'm like, MIT? And it just yeah. – it literally drives them – I'm like, Harvard. Oh, okay, cool. Like, like I'm completely ignorant. It, I don't know why they believe me, but it works every time. Now I've given up my secret, but I enjoy doing it. But you're right, school, schoolism and yeah. schoolism. Well,
3: and I want to ask you, do you know any female execs in the Valley that have curly hair? I don't know.
0: why. That's interesting. You?
3: I'm not, you know. Yeah. I
0: work for myself. I know, but you've been an exec. <laughs> I'm trying to think. That's a, that is a really good question. Well, aren't straight-haired people better? Like, now I'm, no, I'm teasing. No, um, no, I do not. They straighten their
3: hair. They're not all straight.
0: Fascinating. You're right. All right. Well, get on it, Michelle. Let's do a survey. Uh, that is an interesting – gosh, that's interesting. Anyway, thank you for coming by and thanks for talking to us. This is a critically important issue and one that I hope doesn't sort of get lost in all the other things that happen here because it's an important part of making Silicon Valley the best place it can be.
2: Yeah, thanks for your focus on this, Kara. No this problem. Really important. I'm not going away. Let thanks me just say. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks so much. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews with Lena Dunham, Ariana Huffington, and Erica Baker, all of whom are women, just to name a few. We do have men, too. All on Recode.net slash decode. Also, be sure to check out our other show, Recode Replay. We have scores more Red Chair interviews from all our events, including Ellen Powell, Mary Barrett, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, whom you might have heard of. Also all women. All this and more at recode.net slash replay. Today's Too Embarrassed Ask is brought to you by audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. I really enjoyed talking to Michelle and Trey. But now it's time to hear from another very important woman, Lauren Good of The Verge, with some very big news. Hey, Kara. Hey, Lauren. We're here at CES in Las Vegas recording this in my luxurious hotel room compared to your hovel that you're staying in, correct?
1: <laughs> it's not so terrible, but it, my room is definitely not as nice as your room, Kara. Because
0: I'm better than you. I don't know if you understand that yet. You're right? definitely more important than exactly. I Exactly. So if we sound a bit different, here's why, because uh, we're in this hotel room recording this. How is CES going for you, Lauren?
1: It's going pretty well. I haven't slept or eaten or really done anything in four days except consume tech news and write tech news. I'm just kidding. I've actually slept a few hours. Um, But it's been really frenetic and crazy and fun. And, um, you know, in years past, there's been some questions about CES's relevance and whether or not it's, it's... you know, the most important consumer electronics event anymore. I have to say this year has been pretty fun. We've seen some pretty
0: cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. But but normally this is the part of the show where we would talk about those things like drones and cars and um, oh, yeah. we'll my delightful helicopter trip to the Grand Canyon where I had lunch. Um, i glad you came back in one piece. Thank you. And this is a part of the show where we ask and answer questions from listeners. But this week, Lauren, I have a very important question for you. How would you like to host your own podcast? My Vox domination has begun.
1: <laughs> so you're gonna someday I away. will have fancy hotel rooms no. like Kara Swisher does. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, good I'm super that. excited. Are you? Okay. Yes, good. I really am. Yeah, this good. is going to be, I, I just can't wait to do more with you. We, I am still working with you, right? Yes, you are. Indeed. Okay. Yes. So you'll still be bossing I, around. Well, which, I'm
0: your sidekick who is actually in charge. That's okay. Really how so I you're, you're still the boss.
1: Yeah. It's hosted by the two of us. That's right. Go ahead, Lauren. Well, it's going to be called Too Embarrassed to Ask, and it's going to be a longer version of this segment that we've already been doing in Recode Decode every week, where, like Kara said, on social media, we solicit our readers' questions, burning tech questions, things you might be too embarrassed to ask, maybe some other things, and uh, we try to answer them through the podcast, and we're going to be branching that out starting this Friday, January 15th. We're going to have new episodes every Friday. Um, what else can we say about the new well, show? Well, it's a new podcast.
0: It's going Again, it's going to branch off from Recode Decode. Now we have two Recode Decodes, one with me doing interviews and one with Peter Kafka. And now this is a new podcast, and you can listen to it on Recode.net or subscribe on iTunes. And all the details about how to get it on Recode.net will come this Friday. Uh, but again, it's a separate show because we felt like there was all kinds of things to talk about that we couldn't just do in a short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think, you know, you and Peter are talking to some really amazing people in technology and digital media right now and sort of just have your fingers on the pulse of what's going on in the business sphere of technology. And I think this new podcast is really going to be just about talking to our readers directly and saying, there's a lot of consumer tech out there. There's a lot going on. It is confusing. It is overwhelming. How are we going to sort of drill that down for you? And I think eventually we're going to have some other really fun segments as well. Cool. And so our first episode
0: of the new Too Embarrassed to Ask is this Friday, January 15th. We'll be talking about all the things we're doing and seeing here at CES. We're still doing and seeing them right now. So we will get back to you on that. But if you have any questions about CES or anything else we've been writing about on Recode and The Verge, let us know. Please tweet me at Kara Swisher with your burning tech questions. Lauren, how can people
2: reach you?
1: At Lauren Good on Twitter. Uh, that's good with an E at the end. And, of course, you can always reach us at at Recode and hashtag TETA, T-E-T-A, too embarrassed, too to, embarrassed
0: ask. to ask. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask, a new podcast starting this Friday, January 15th. Lauren, give me a quick thing of what your favorite things of our from CES is, and then we will close.
1: Ooh, I think my favorite thing is going to be the self-driving vehicle that gets yeah. me home. Ah, oh, very good. That's
0: not going to happen. I just was <laughs> in one, a Mercedes.
1: There's a lot of them here. Carol is such there. a humble brag. I know, thank I you. I told you
0: I wanted to ride home. You said, oh, that's not going to happen, but I was in a Mercedes. I was. I was in the <laughs> desert with a bunch of Germans self-driving a car, and we will discuss that on the new podcast. I can't wait. Thanks, Lauren. See you next Friday, and thanks to you for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Recode's senior mediator, Peter Kafka will be here on Thursday, and next Monday I'll be back on this show with another great guest. Tune in then.
1: This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.